So I have this. I I, I was practicing a little opening today because I listened to yeah. one other podcast. Yeah. Uh, and and I like how they open their podcast. So I'm gonna try that for my podcast. I don't listen to like any podcasts. None. Not not one. No, I. Even in the car, whenever I'm driving, I actually don't listen to anything. Radio off, no music. Just me and myself. And oh my god! Have you ambient. ever seen? Have you ever seen the movie Baby Driver? No, I've heard about it. I heard it was a lot like um, Drive, but not. <laughs> they- they don't really have that much in common. <laughs> there's there's cars in both, but um, it, there's a scene in Baby Driver where he's uh, stealing a car. He's trying to get away from the police, so he he steals a car. But before he drives off, he's changing all of the radio stations so he can find something <laughs> to drive to. And that's that's me in the car. I I don't I, I don't pull out until I have my my music situated but here we go let's see if i can do this in one take are you ready yeah all right check this out you're listening to curves and conversation a not safe for work podcast about the sexy sides of art i'm your host emmy like the letters m-e and today we're having a conversation with pwc sponson go ahead and introduce yourself Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Sponson. Um, I'm an artist. Uh, most of you may have already... Oh, my God, this is hard. <laughs> <laughs> most of you may already know me. If you don't, I am an uh, adult um, material illustrator. I focus in what I like to call arrow horror, erotic horror and the body horror um which i fundamentally believe uh that most fetishes are it's now from the start right there what you just said i've never heard or thought about that in my life um arrow horror you think most most fetishes initially are that well a fetish, as we know, is um, a logical fixation, sexual fixation on, um, on. It doesn't even necessarily have to be the human. It, it can be the on the concept of something. Um, for example, some people fetishize uh, pain, or even just the concept of inflicting pain. Right. Right. And so. In the fetish world, uh, a lot of people join because it gets them off. Obviously, that's that's the whole that's the one hundred one kind of the only reason. Yes, and uh, and so when you actually think about what the people are consuming, especially when it comes to niche fetishes, uh, you know, like inflation, mm-hmm. um, a lot of these uh, genres that deal with modifying the human body and form uh, to many people and uh, I haven't done the polls on this so I can't give you a source or anything um, but a lot of people would find it horrifying when you don't have or even when you do have uh, the, the 
a willing participant to be expanded like that beyond what is quote unquote normal uh is actually quite horrifying um just because you and just because the the person is enjoying it doesn't necessarily make it any less horrifying and i can say that uh, because there there exists uh, a trick in in horror movies thrillers in which something horrifying is inflicted on a person and that person uh, copes by simply accepting it in a way that is entirely unnatural uh, you might remember uh oof the there was this movie called worms i no that was something else no, not Tremors. There was this horror movie where there were a bunch of these parasitic leeches or whatnot invading a a swamp town, and uh, one of the one of the characters gets um, infected and massively bloated with these with these uh, parasites. She just when when the main characters discover her, she's just entirely immobile, expanded beyond belief, and she's just like. I think there's something wrong with me. And when it gets to that level of um, dissociation from the form, it is quite horrifying. And that ties its back, itself back into this sort of fetish material. While the character themselves might find it enjoyable or, you know, um, uh, whether or not they consent to it, it's uh, ultimately that sort of inflation, expansion um, that twists the body uh, has a horrifying element to it. Okay. And that's what I base a lot of my work around. It's this idea that there's a shock factor, this sort of... um, uh, the sort of underlying concept that the human body uh, people have this this idea of the human body and when changes are made to it um, regardless of, of once again consent or anything like that um, that you have altered something sacred right the, the body is a temple right so you your know, approach you might... is is essentially um, it can be considered horrifying to anyone from the outside looking in, but also you want to mix in the parts of that that are erotic because they're not mutually exclusive. Right, if I would agree you... with that. So when it comes to genres, you have, uh, you know, in horror, again, you have, you can, you can mix and match so many different genres together and nothing says they have to be exclusive and you can have lots of happy go lucky, you know, good feeling kind of uh, porn, or you can have your incredibly depraved porn. And I just, uh, I am inherently fascinated with uh, the subtle horror of bodily transformation. See, hearing that actually explains uh, a, a lot, a, a ton. 
about my work? Uh, about your work, yes, absolutely. I've been uh, following you for a long time, longer than you know. And your work is very interesting and unique compared to the type of things that I normally consume. You're like an outlier. And I, I really enjoy uh, everything that you create. And now I sort of have an understanding as to why you make the things that you do. And I like right. it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, and again, it's one of the biggest reasons why I feel like this is such an interesting um, mix to, to explore is because uh, when I... Uh, when I first started, I consumed a lot of pretty vanilla porn, and it always ended up kind of alienating in the sense that it seemed too perfect. Um, drawn, you know, especially when it came to illustrations, you had these uh, these perfect girls and their perfect lives, and and you know whatever happened to them never really had any consequences um they never explored the ramifications of changes you know happening to these girls mm -hmm. especially when it comes to uh inflation like just the uh, blueberry inflation etc cetera, etc cetera. the the transformation aspect was obviously played up because that's the point and and then that's it. There's no duality to it. It's uh, very simple. This is what's happening. And it's hot. And for the longest time, I, I just thought, there's got to be more. What is it about this? Like, what is it about this that makes it hot? And I realized that, that, um, that what I'm interested in is, uh, it's like this idea that it can't. It can't be stopped. Um, that ties back to the horrifying element. Right. And what does it mean that it can't be stopped? What's important about the idea that you know this sort of transformation can't be stopped is that it must have ramifications in the outside life beyond this one event. How do these characters react to the situation that's happening to them? And that in turn grounds itself uh, into the sort of relatability. Um, for example, you might uh, see in my work, I, I draw a lot of office, you know, uh, office themed ladies, um, office attire or, Which you know, appreciate. school. We, we like that. <laughs> and uh, the reason why I choose those is because inherently most of us are familiar with them. We know what a school setting looks like. We know what an office looks like. We know um, we know how to act in those settings. We know what to expect in those settings. So how best to show the ramifications of a change or a fetish if not in these settings, right? Um, people find public sex hot. Uh, exhibitionism is a, is a big um, genre of mine. And I find that, uh, you know, mixing the fetishes in with these incredibly relatable uh, scenarios uh, bumps it up to 11. It's much like, 
the idea that it's pushing and pulling. You have this completely mundane. Uh, you have this completely mundane ingredient uh, that you that you mix in with this incredibly over the top fetish. You know the the hyper the the overly sized genitals and stuff, mm-hmm. and you actually get something uh, that's more grounded yet fantastical. Right. So, in situations like that, because I I do understand you want to. Uh, exhibitionism is a key aspect in in your work especially but a a thing that a lot of people run into and i think about this all the time is that after the sequence ends you have reached the the maximum size uh, everyone has gotten to uh, as big as they're going to get and you talked about consequences how do you really show consequences um, a, a a thing I run into a lot when I talk to people about uh, work that I make and work that they make is that plots are hard um, when it comes to fetish things. Uh, that's why usually it's hot and they're big is enough. So if you wanted to change that dynamic and, and create a ending or, or show of consequences, how do you go about doing that? <laughs> well, you would go about making a second uh, volume. <laughs> <laughs> and again, uh, you know, we're all here to get off, right? As consumers, um, there's generally only uh, one or two purposes we're here for. And it's not for the incredibly deep, you know, philosophical queries of of what it means to be human. <laughs> Uh, ultimately, um, comics can can uh, material can be just that. It can just once again just be that fetish. Um, but when it comes to experiencing uh, consequences, uh, especially in illustration, um, one-offs, it needs to it needs to be presented again in a way that's relatable. Oftentimes, you'll see a character, you know, against a white background, as large as they can be, mm-hmm. and and they're just there, and smiling at you or what have you. And there's what's happening. You know, my question is, what's happening? Uh, nothing is happening. You've just simply drawn a size, and but nothing gives that size meaning. In fact, the only thing, uh, and I apologize, uh, I, I'll redact that. The only thing that gives that size meaning is the character themselves, the size of the character. Okay. Um, and there's nothing else. And so by consequences, you know, they can't just exist in a white void. There's no consequence there. Where do they exist? How do they exist? Et cetera, et cetera. Um, that needs to be baked into the into the picture or the story. And yeah, you're right. Plots are hard. And sometimes you just want to have an expansion scene. Right. Which is okay. But, you know, we, we all do it. On one of my comics, Grocery Shopping, it takes place in a grocery store. And it is very much in just a simple expansion comic. 
However, I really wanted to explore what it meant to grow in a public setting, what that could entail interacting with the public. I think you what did is a good job. Oh, yes. You did mention that was one of your favorites. Yeah. Oh, you remember that. Look yes. at you. <laughs> I do think that uh, you, for the most part, do do a, a pretty good job of always creating a a story even in single images which is difficult to do um i think you're a pretty talented writer uh, with, with captions and that you do a good job of sort of expressing uh, those situations uh, when it comes to that thought process as in when you're going to tell a story what's the first thing that you're thinking about do you have the caption in mind before you start drawing the image or do you draw the image and then based on what's on that paper or what what you see in front of you you begin to work on the story uh so there's no one rigid way of approaching that a lot of the times i find is that there's usually a narrative i want to tell um both visually and uh, written and so I will begin drawing a picture uh, with that narrative in mind. And it might be uh, it might be at some point in the picture where I draw something and go, oh, that's much better. And I'll slightly fudge the narrative. And so the narrative in the picture will bounce off each other multiple times during this whole process of drawing. And then it'll settle on a final narrative. And that's when I write a caption for that picture it's when both the the visual imagery and the narrative agree in tandem not one after the other oh so once you sort of have the image matching what you're thinking about is when the story clicks is when it all comes together right uh, about the time when the f picture is finished the the narrative is therefore finished as well sense to me that's a pretty good uh, way to make sure that everything comes out consistent that explains why you're so consistent with image and story I, because i don't treat them as separate elements the idea the definition of an illustration is visual storytelling and it's in that way we're just trying to convey concepts and emotions and ideas and uh Words and pictures, of course, do both. And so, again, they're not exclusive to each other. In fact, um, the the sum of the sum of the both of them. Uh, how does that saying go? Uh, the whole is greater than the sum of both its parts. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so I, I'm a firm believer that text and image can can give you something more than either can offer alone. I'd agree with that. I think uh, images are usually a lot better when there is a, a good caption and a good story that goes along with them. So that's uh, something I really appreciate. It's always nice to see that. Now, you have a pretty wide uh, variety of, of subjects um, when it comes to that uh, erotic horror. You cover a huge ground. So I guess what I'd want to 
sort of figure out is in this in the community that I'm a part of, which is mostly uh, expansion community, you're a part of that, but you fit into everything. Is there a, a place that you want to be slotted in? Is there parts of the community that you want to get more involved in? Are there parts that you want to get less involved in? Uh, where do you think your place is if you huh. have one or want to have one? Well, I, I've i always been an expansion artist. That was uh, pretty much the very first fetish I had uh, was breast expansion. So I'll always be a part of that expansion community. Um, however, I find interest in so many different things and so many different ways of exploring certain emotions and concepts that it can't just uh, I, I cannot be confined only to expansion but I never go out of my way to make something just to belong somewhere else um, my art and uh, my direction in art has always been the most important facets and it just happens that I fall across a, a very, very wide spectrum of uh, topics. I think that's how you build an organic audience is just sort of making the things that you want to make. And... Right. Um, I don't want to shoehorn myself into only an expansion artist or only a hyper artist or even uh, only an erotic artist. Um I make what I like to make or want to see, and I just hope other people want to see it as well. Yeah, I think tons of other people do want to see the type of things that you make. You you do pretty well um, with that variety. You said you the first fetish that you ever had was uh, expansion. Uh, do you remember the first thing, the first image, or the first comic you you read that was expansion? Who was your first the first artist? Oh my goodness! Uh, that was such a long, <laughs> a long time, time ago. ago yeah. Jolly, jo Jolly Jack. Uh, <laughs> this is back in Deviant Art days. My well, goodness. Yeah. Uh, like way back. Uh, I want to say uh, early two thousands. Um, I remember some names such as. Uh... Oh, uh, Cheesy Weapon was another one. They had uh, Josh Lesnick and what eventually became Slipshine. Um, when you think back to a lot of those early 2000s, uh, you know, Western porn, uh, I consumed a, a fair bit of that. But as far as specific media, no. I, uh, you know, comic... Um, just artists. Uh, Bible Black, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I think that was like one of my first uh, forays into uh, Fudanari. Um, yeah, that's that. I I feel like that was uh, a lot of people's first forays into that entire that entire universe. You know, a lot of people, um, new artists, because it, I don't know if it's just me, but it feels like there are a ton more expansion and kink artists now than there were like 10, 20 years ago. It's, 
I see them oh, everywhere. For sure. <laughs> everywhere. Oh, for sure. Um, I feel like America is going through a sort of sexual revolution in which people are becoming accepting of their bodies as and having you know positivity towards sex, which is great. Yeah, um, absolutely. Obviously. Uh, and I think that's why you'll see a lot of people more being more comfortable in exploring these topics. Uh, in college, uh, I, I was a I was an, ero- an erotic artist then. Um, I, I I I remember speaking to some of my colleagues, and I showed them some of my works and what I did, right. and some of them were uh, appalled by it. <laughs> oh, I know, crazy. Um, <laughs> It's what you get for being in Maine. But anyway, um, <laughs> and fast forward about 10 years, um, eight to 10 years, uh, one of them now does a lot of furry porn. And it's like, good on you, mate. Um, that was you. You were, you were there. You were their influence. That's what they said. <laughs> <laughs> I just do things, and people um, seem to be inspired by it, and I'm flattered when they are. Well, that's how it goes. You know, we all we all get inspired somewhere by something that makes us want to sort of act in and, and join the community. Um, so you now you're gonna eventually be considered uh, one of the, one of the OGs to to some upcoming artist you were the the first person that they saw so here's here's your chance right here to give all those new budding artists some advice what would you say don't worry about it just don't think too much about where you're going and just uh just make art that's what all of us you know that's what everyone at college did that's what i did growing up you just you just make art because you love it um, and if you can enjoy it for exactly what it is, then you'll never get tired of it. Wow, that is good advice. Don't worry about it. Just make art. Uh, I love that. And I feel uh, like that might be a uh, title, episode title. Don't worry about it. Just make art. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Just make art. And I know that might be kind of hard um, for some because that there's there's two types of people right one type of person sees uh sees the journey as a waste of time and they focus on the destination and then the other type of person uh doesn't feel like the destination was ever that important and so they focus on the journey um but i think one of the big mistakes we all make when we're in that sort of mindset is realizing that they're not exclusive to each other just because you have a destination doesn't mean that the journey is irrelevant. The journey can be whatever it needs to be to get to that destination. Um, they do not cancel each other out. You can, you can fully explore the facets of both. And so when it comes to making art, the act of making art is a journey and the finished product is the destination. And I hear a lot of people get discouraged when they can't draw the image in their head because they never arrive at the destination <laughs> they, they want to be at, right? And so they get discouraged. It's like, oh, I'll never be able to get there. Um, 
but to get there, you need to focus on the journey. <laughs> right. You you can't just sort of skip steps. It's, right. It's, it's all it's all work. And much like how the the, the visual and um, the written storytelling that I like to mix uh, aren't mutually exclusive, neither is your destination in the journey. Um, when you have an idea in mind, and that's where you want to be, and something happens in your journey that changes that, that can be okay. So long as both destination and journey are informing each other. Right. You want to, I think, continue to level up with your experiences. It's it's hard to be perfect even when everyone thinks that your work has reached short of its peak. I, I see this all the time where someone will post something and it'll just be incredible by anyone else's standards. To the artist, it just isn't good enough. And No, because as an artist, your work is never done. Because for, for an artist to improve, um, the only benchmark they have to weigh themselves against are themselves. So in a way that... Uh, in the way that there's no final destination for an artist, right? There's no CEO of whatever, even though, there, <laughs> I mean, there is. But the work will always be able to be improved upon, and that's determined by the, you know, the skill of the person. Um, I explained that badly. Let me try again. <laughs> Go for it. You want to, if you want to give it another shot. I think oh, I understood. Uh, yeah, so an artist will see their own work and go, I can improve. And, you know, they're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> because it could always be improvement. And, and I guess, uh, you know, once again, for an artist... Uh, they see all the flaws, they see all the struggles they they uh, experience making the piece, and so they know that it's not as good as uh, they may necessarily want it to be. Um, even though everyone else who sees it for the first time will go, wow, like that piece is incredible. But they are not the artists, they're not the ones improving, they're right. not the ones that need to improve. So they naturally won't look at that sort of thing. Right, but that's not... You shouldn't get discouraged. You know, you I, shouldn't, but we're all human. We are all human. I know it's hard not to do. But in your journey moving onward and, and uh, becoming better as an artist and better as a person uh, via that process, it's good to sort of remain positive and keep in mind the things that you have achieved and not focus on the things that you haven't. So it's, it's, That's a, right. it's, it's a very, very valuable not to sort of get in the spiral of constantly trying to, to be better and just better instead of, you know, seeing how far that you've come. Sometimes when I feel really bad, I take a trip down memory lane 
And by memory lane, I mean my uh, my art folders from years past. And I have it saved from... Uh, my art has been saved all the way back to 2008. Uh, some of my first digital pictures uh, were on there. And... Oh my god, yes. Uh, when I feel bad about myself, I just I just take a stroll through that and see how much I've improved. And, um, you know, it's it's nice to see where I came from in the time that I did have. And, and then I get excited for the time that will come. I think that's great advice. You yeah. know, for the, those of you starting out... Uh, and you don't have that massive, you know, backlog to look back on. Um, again, just don't worry about it. Make art. Make art be good. If I if I think about anything, how old was I in two thousand and eight? Eighteen, seventeen? I I think of anything from from twelve years ago. I think I'm gonna have a reality check that things could be <laughs> a little little rougher than they are right now. So that's uh, <laughs> that's brilliant advice. Um, Sponson, we have been running for about uh, 35 minutes. Already? Yeah. I My th- goodness. <laughs> I think we're approaching sort of a, a wrap-up moments. Don't want to go too long, so I'm going to ask you for two things. Uh, one, uh, if you have any sort of closing closing words of, of, of encouragement or, or anything that you'd like us to sort of look out for in the future. And two... Uh, if you'd like to throw in some plugs, you know, a little bit of self-promotion, shameless self-promotion. Shameless self-promotion. Well, um, I guess the closing remark is uh, I live by my motto, which I guess I ripped from a different source. Um, If you build it, they will come. And uh, if you make the art that you want to see, people will enjoy it. And for shameless plugs, <laughs> twitter.com slash PWC Sponson. Also Patreon. Rad. 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 Sounds um, good to me. Give me a like and subscribe. And don't forget to smash that uh, ba- like <laughs> button. Thank you for the time today, Emmy. (laughs) I I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, Thank you so much. You were an excellent first guest. Um, The movie you were thinking of, I think it was Slither, by the way. That was the one, yes. Slither, my goodness. Excellent. We we got there. We got there. (laughs) Almost 40 minutes. But um, (laughs) thank you. Uh, I had a great conversation. I learned a lot today. Uh, I have to figure out how I'm going to get people to be able to listen to this. Uh, yeah, and I hope you do some editing for, you know, just to cut the cut a lot of the silence and... Oh, no, we're, we're just going to upload it raw. It's, oh, it's my God. All, oh, God, it's all yeah. going up there. So, oh, yeah, it's raw. <laughs> because I know <laughs> I've succeeded. I'd like to thank you for listening, and I'll catch you next time. Bye.